Welcome to another episode of The Corner Booth, the official podcast of RestaurantOwner.com and Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. Today, the restaurant industry is changing faster than ever. Learn from successful independent restaurant operators and other industry leaders as they share best practices that will help you engage your team, delight your guests, and grow your business. And welcome to another episode of Corner Booth. I'm Chris Tripoli with RestaurantOwner.com. I'm Barry Schuster, editor of Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. And today we're coming to, from New Jersey. Well, we've got an interesting hands-on operator with not one, not two, but three distinctive independently owned restaurant concepts he operates, Frank Brusco. Frank, thank you so much for taking some time out today and joining us on Corner Booth. Thank you. Good afternoon to everybody as well. Frank, could you give us a little bit of a your background in terms of how you got in the restaurant business. We're really interested in your concepts and your your views on business and, all, and lots of great advice I'm sure, you can, I'm sure you can offer with our readers, but everybody's always interested in, in the path that folks take to the restaurant business because everybody has their own story. Okay. It's definitely a pretty interesting one. I have been in the commercial printing business my entire life and approximately seven years ago or so, I happened to be out of soccer field, bringing my kids to a restaurant to eat. And realized that it was taking 30, 40 minutes just to get a quick, easy dish of pasta, slice of pizza. My kids were young at the time. I spoke to the owner and I said, hey, how you guys doing over here? You know, what's taking so long? And he said, listen, I only have two or three guys in the kitchen. I said, how come? He looked around and goes, this is why we're not that busy. Came back the following week. Same exact thing happened. Waited another 30, 40 minutes just for a quick dish of pasta, a slice of pizza. And he looked at me, he goes, what do you want to buy the place? So I asked a few good questions, such as how long is your lease? Um, how much you do in sales a week? Just typical numbers. Nothing, no restaurant experience in my life. Answered a few questions. I kind of put one-on-one -on -one together. I said, hey, you know, maybe I would be interested. He goes, if you keep it as an Italian restaurant, you know, we're from the same town in Italy, which is Calabria, that'd be great. I would love to sell, you know, love to sell to you. Because, but I'm getting offers, and they were really ridiculous numbers. I said, listen, what I would be willing to do, I'd write you a check today. You never have to come back to New Jersey. He lived in upstate New York. So he said, gets up, looks at me, shakes my hand. He goes, we got a deal. I said, oh, I said, I just bought a restaurant. <laughs> and that is truly how it started. I, it, was, it was crazy. I got the kids. I said, come on, let's go. I go, daddy just bought a restaurant. Next day, in the next six weeks, uh, the place was shut down. I closed on August 15th. I'll never forget it. And for six weeks, we renovated the entire restaurant. Got into it, came to the front door, started asking questions. Hey, I used to work here. Any possibility of me having a job? I hired everybody I possibly could at the time. I didn't know anything about the business other than I love food. I was in the restaurants, breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day with customers, being in the printing business, being a salesman, but never really my own. A uh, chef of mine that I still have to this day was in the tile business. His family was. I called him out of the blue. I said, hey, you still uh, in the tile business? He said, yeah. I said, I have a huge job for you. Came all the way over here, started measuring. It really wasn't that big of a restaurant at the time. It was only about 5,000 square feet. He came in. I said, hey, you still, uh, still in the restaurant business? He goes, ah, I'm kind of out. I left the restaurant I was at. I'm available, but I, I, don't, I have no interest in being in the restaurant business again. I said, come on, my man. Can you help me out a little bit? And after 10, 15 minutes only, he looked at me. He goes, I'll give you a hand. We, we shook hands. And since that day, he is like, my man runs the whole back of my house of the restaurant. His name is Lenny DiMaria. He has put a tremendous team together for me. So since that day, not one person has left. And that was my first baby. And it's still rocking, thank God. And that's Patricia's of Homedale in Homedale, New Jersey. 
Okay. Okay. So that's the first one. That was seven years ago. That's Patricia's. That's correct. I got to tell you, Frank, Barry and I have been doing this a long time. I think it's been, what, 18, 19 years now with the magazine? At least, yeah. Yeah, or more. And we've got all kinds of independent operators that we talk to, survey, uh, and assist, say, through the website, restaurantowner.com. I haven't heard a story uh, close to that, where I went out to dinner with my kids, had a poor experience, (laughs) went back, shook his hand, cut a check, and bought the restaurant. that's, That's different. I haven't seen him since that day. Actually, he never even came to the closing. He had his attorney sign for him. I've never, I have not seen him since that day. I haven't called him. I haven't changed anything. It's okay. I'm sure he's doing well. He knows I'm doing well. And that was it. Crazy. So the other concepts, I want to go back to that because the, you know, you make it sound like it was really impulsive. I just don't get this vibe from you that you don't think about what you're doing at some um, point. You know, I, I listen, I, I do have, crazy energy. I do enjoy what I'm doing. I love the fact that it was a challenge. They said 84% of restaurants go out of business in the first year or the first two years. I was like, oh, I'll take this on. This should be pretty simple. You know, I know Italian food. My parents are off the boat. I'm first generation Italian. You know, mm-hmm. I know what I want it to taste like. And right away, you know, it, you had every vendor coming in trying to push this product or that product. And I said, let's just go big or go home. Let's try the best, have the best tomato sauce, have the best calamari. So I don't want to have, I don't want it to be that guy that's walking around saying, Hey, his food sucks. His food doesn't taste good. Was the place, didn't need a lot of changes when you came in or was it, was, was the way it was run at least okay enough to go forward? Did you go in and say, listen, I got to, I'm going to change the menu. Uh, The service isn't good. I I don't like the way the interior looks. Were you able, was it, was it, how turnkey was it? Only the kitchen itself was absolutely beautiful. It was a big, big kitchen. It could handle up to five, 600 people a day. This place was not doing the sales that the place could handle but I did not like anything inside this restaurant. They had carpet in the, the, the dining room area. I'm not a big fan of having carpet in a restaurant. That's just my personal opinion. Low ceilings, everything was dark, gloomy. I just didn't like the vibe in there at all. So I truly did gut the entire restaurant. Every single employee was, I don't want to say terminated. They all pretty much left because I was closed for a good six to eight weeks by the time we ended up opening, which was uh, Columbus day in 2015. That's when we opened up the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we just celebrated a seven year anniversary recently, but uh, you know, it's just, it was what I liked. It's what I wanted. I have a beautiful black ceiling. I have a soundproof ceiling because a lot of people, when I used to go out with customers used to complain, let's never come back to this restaurant. It's too loud here. So I took all my experiences from being with customers in the past and brought it and put it under really one, one to one roof. And since then we expanded, we had an outside area. We expanded, we put a beautiful, I call it the party room another 1,200 square feet, beautiful skylights. We have parties in there booked every Saturday and Sunday uh, for private events uh, during the day, communions, confirmations, graduations, bridal showers, baby showers. And uh, it's a, it is a bring-your-own-restaurant where there are some perks, very few, of having that. But in here in New Jersey, it's difficult to get a liquor license. If you do get one, it's a uh, jump all over it if you, can have, you have the op- if you have the opportunity. So... Patricia's now is uh, started at 5,500 square feet. We added approximately 1,200 and we are in the process of opening up uh, hopefully by Christmas Eve, an additional 2,000 square feet. So we'll have uh, call it over 9,000 square feet of restaurant here serving about 250 seats in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. 
What was the biggest challenge for you when you got into this? Um, what thing that, where, where was the real learning curve for you? Any specific area that you said, oh man, this is, this is tough. I really going to have to get up to speed here. Was there anything that really stood out the deer in the headlights kind of moment when you stepped into this deal? Getting a POS system in, put in place and an inventory and trusting employees and putting a team together was probably my you know, the, the biggest hurdle I had to deal with, you know, you, I am a control freak. Like a lot of people, you want to know how to do everything. Golf a bid, that guy does not show up. You know how to do it. Golf a bid, she doesn't show up to answer the phones in the, in the afternoons, you know how to do it. So you did, I did need to learn it. I was here. I lived here 24 seven for a mm-hmm. solid five years straight worth every penny that I've earned since. And I, you know, I really appreciate what people in this restaurant business are up and you know, are dealing with. It's not easy at all. Um, I feel, you know, dealing with these customers and understanding where they're coming from, again, was another hurdle, but we have great customers here. I really have nothing to complain about at all. Um, I, I enjoy it. It's, it. I don't want to say it's easy. It's a lot mm-hmm. of work, but if you make it fun, I, I'm enjoying it. Well, you must have had um, a lot of confidence in either the existing volume when you bought it or have had some tremendous success in building the business to add the square footage. And then to be adding more square footage, are you lunch and dinner? Um, uh, are you seven days a week? How do you operate? We are lunch and dinner seven days a week. We close four times a year, 4th of July, Thanksgiving Day, Christmas Day, New Year's Day. Those are the only four days we close. Um, I, the volume of the place, the day when I was in there with uh, my kids, there were four customers. I went back the following week. I believe there was three or four more customers. The place was very slow. It, it had been a great pizzeria, but in this area, there was a lot of transplants from New York and I feel like they were owed and they deserve to have a great Italian restaurant. There's a phenomenal amount of parking outside this restaurant, um, which is also key for a lot of my customers. You know, th- th- it was, it was definitely a, a lot to build up, build your reputation, you know, be confident. I was definitely confident. We definitely had a you know, guts to uh, open up such a, such a place of this size, especially for the first restaurant, which led me to my second one. So it was funny. You just said that we do lunch and dinner next door to me is a breakfast place. And I would come here 11 in the morning, getting ready for work. And I would see the line outside the door of this other place. I said, this is crazy. I'm open. Why don't open a breakfast place? So I happened to call the landlord of the same shopping center. They're publicly uh, traded on the stock exchange. I said, do you have anything else in the area? He said, across the street, there's another shopping center. He goes, we own that shopping center as well. I said, any chance I could put a breakfast, brunch, lunch concept together? He goes, I actually, I do have one spot. It was an old bank. It's about 3,000 square feet. It's yours. I said, give me a good deal. You know, using my, you know, any business skills that I had from you know, going through college and all that stuff, I put together, spoke with this uh, couple of attorneys, and we put a 3,200 3, square foot breakfast, brunch, lunch concept together called over easy kitchen. Um, it took off. There was enough business here for the place that was next door to me, as well as uh, over easy kitchen. We've been open there three and a half years or so, and it's been rocking. Since then, we expanded uh, to two additional locations, one in Marlboro, New Jersey, and the other one recently was in Fairhaven, New Jersey. Marlboro and Homedale are both about 3,000 square feet. We can accommodate a hundred people or so at a time on a weekend or Sunday, for example, we'll do at least, uh, you know, four or 500, um, 
breakfasts, which is great. Fairhaven's half the size, give or take about 60 people we can do there. A little bit smaller, quaint town. All of the places are built with a New York City vibe inside. So they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. They're, they're gorgeous. Great places, great menu. It's not all you can eat. It's uh, very healthy, clean cut, well-designed um, and plated food. Mm-hmm. Nice. So how did you, um, you know, decide, I mean, other than just seeing that in the immediate neighborhood, they're busy, so there must be a need. Um, how, what was your next step? How did you go about building this concept from scratch? Was there some business planning, team building? Um, maybe you could explain to people how you did uh, research, development. Uh, I mean, developing the, the first menu even, being that that's outside of the lunch, dinner, Italian norm. Um, uh, how, how did you, you right. know, how did you actually do it? Uh, how long did it take? What, tri- what triggered me to do it was there was a diner in the area that was a, um, just a, uh, what's that called? When it's just not a gold mine. It was just, it was a gold mine, but it was a, um, it was there forever. And it happened to be closing. And I said, why are they closing? And a big conglomerate came, took it over, big either car dealership, whatever it was was closing down this, this diner. I said, this is crazy. It's been here for 60 years or so. I said, where are those 10,000 people a week going to go and eat? It happened to be on the same side of the street. It happened to be in the right direction on in the neighborhood I was at. And again, yes, I mean, it was pretty gutsy, but in the, in the four years I was here at Patricia's, I did meet, you know, obviously a million people. And um, a lot of people kept saying, I said, hey, what do you think if I did a breakfast place? Frank, anything you open, we'll come to. I said, you promised me? And I said, I promise. I said, give me a chance. So I took the, uh, took the bull by the horns and opened up another place. And that one I do have, uh, I have uh, brothers that are partners of mine there. And I said, listen, guys, it'll help me out. I think together we'll be stronger than apart, which is my line. And we ended up opening up three of them together. So all three of those I do have a great partner with. And um, they're Greek. They're known, they're, they're really good with food as well. And uh, it, it, they're doing well. They're doing great. I love them. Again, there's no liquor in any of those locations. That's also bring your own. So you figure people bring you know, their champagnes, have mimosas. But uh, again, great vibe, beautiful place, great employees. Everyone loves coming to it. Were you able to maybe get some key staff, some trained kitchen and other people from that well-established diner that all of a sudden was closing? Not one person. <laughs> Getting help, getting help then was hard. Getting help now is, is harder. Although I'd like to say in the last two months, we've seen a lot of people coming out looking for jobs, which is great. But uh, no, yeah. nothing, no help at all. Start from scratch, saying, what am I doing? Did I do the right thing? And uh, again, it, it was just different. I was able to start my mornings there. And we do close at 3 o'clock. The hours of operation there are 8 a.m. till 3 p.m., also seven days a week. So... You know, when after that lunch crowd would start leaving, I'd be able to come straight over to Patricia's and uh, start my day and finish my nights here as well. It's about the your your onboarding, your training, your culture. Um, are they similar across concepts? Um, uh, tell me how you you approach those things. So the the truth is, I mean, it's a really and it's very simple. You want to treat people the way you want to be treated. And I've sat in restaurants and I've sat with customers, and you really learn a lot when you sit with other people of how they view the server, how they view the busboy, how they view the location, the place, the hostesses, the manager, the owner. Everyone has something to say. So I kind of made it 
you know, to my staff, don't give them a reason. Be nice. Go up to them. They all have something. They all want to throw their two cents in there. But I love to table touch. I teach my managers to table touch every single table all night long. See what's going on. Is everything okay? You know, there's a lot of moving parts in a restaurant. The busboys are all well-dressed, well-trained, well-respected. I treat my busboys almost better than I treat my servers because I do feel bad for them. Um, my servers, again, they all want a million tables. They all think they can handle everything. But I said, listen, give better service. I'll give you less tables, a smaller section. And I promise you, you'll make great money. And every single one of them has, again, has been with me from day one. And to be honest with you, I think one of the, the, the funniest things I, that I remember was within the first week or two, I see all these servers at the end of the day looking at me, at the end of the night looking at me. I said, hey, why are you guys still here? You have no more tables. They said, we have to get cashed out. I said, what does that mean? <laughs> they said, well, table you know, 3, 10, and 11 gave me you know, $20, $30, and $16. You have to give us $66. I said, but where did they put it? They put it on the credit card. I said, I got to give you cash. I said, where do you want to get the cash from? So they said, no, bro, that's how it goes. You know, these are the service talking to me. I said, that's how it, they said, that's how it goes. You got to pay us. I said, what happens if the customer changes their mind? I said, where do you want me to get the cash? Whatever somebody gives you a thousand dollar tip, you really want me to give you a thousand dollars today? They said, yo, that's how it is. I said, it's not going to go that way. I said, you guys are all young. I want to see you guys make a name for yourself. I want to see you get credit for yourself. I want you to get a credit card, buy a car one day. I said, you can't go into a car dealership but $60,000 in cash and say, I want to buy a car. So we're going to start paying taxes here. You're going to get a check at the end of the week. If you get a cash tip, keep it. If you got to get a credit card tip, you're going to get it in a check. They were all against it. Every one of them can't thank me enough today. Right. They all made a name for themselves. They're all paying their credit cards. They all have credit. Some of them are buying homes already. So this is what, you know, this is why we do it. So it is a very big business. Uh, you know, there could be big money to be made here. The harder you work, the more money you're going to make. Well, you know, Frank, that's a very good point you made. And a lot of operators have made that same switch um, where since most of the revenue coming in is on a credit card, um, most places have made that switch now to where Correct. credit card tips get on your paycheck. You get a paycheck every other week. Um, and I think most people would probably say the same story, that if they were an established restaurant, it was kind of a difficult switch, getting that mindset from cash every day to right. for a check. But once that mind shift, uh, mind shift does happen, people start seeing the job a little bit more as a stable, ongoing business. Your credit rating is up. They get a larger you know, check every two weeks. It helps them budget better. So that was a very good move. Mm -hmm. And tip reporting becomes so much easier. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, Chris, I, I just have to uh, say something because I'm listening to uh, Frank and, and trying to crack the code um, in terms of where the genius lies here. But one of the things that occurs to me and Frank, Frank can, can tell me if I'm off, you know, I'm off track or not. But, you know, coming to this business as a as a customer, you know, we we tell our 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 readers, hey, you know, sit down in your restaurant, sit down in the chair, look what's under the table. Is it messy? How, how are you perceiving it? And, and I'm wondering if, if, if some of this success um, that Frank's enjoying, besides the fact that he's just good at it, is coming to this from, with a customer's point of view, because ultimately, that's the person you're working for. Yeah. Um, makes sense? Well, um, yeah, I mean, I know you heard me say this before. I mean, the business is a combination of what's and how's. And the best what guys are typically people like Frank is just explaining. You know, the people that look at things from a customer point of view. 
they weren't in the business for 20 or 30 years. Okay, so they may need to have some help on the how to get things done, but they know the what's because they just, they see things from a customer point of view, you know? Yeah, his vision was never blurred. He's a professional customer. He eats out, he feeds his kids out. He knows how customers should be treated and how the restaurant should appear. So I can just see Frank walking in and telling people, here's what I want the experience to be. Here's what I want the service level to be. You know, here's what I want from facility cleanliness. Here's what I want the customers to say about us. Okay, now team, you show me how it is we're going to get this done. And so as long as you're surrounded by a good, you know, and it sounds like you are because you have no or very low turnover. So as long as you've got a really good team of how people, this is, this is the perfect pieces of the puzzle coming together. Does this resonate for you at all, Frank, what we're talking about here? I'm sorry, say it again. Does this resonate for you, this uh, little dialogue Chris yeah. and I had? 100%. I, he's, he's hitting it right on. I, you know, you're right. You never look at it that way, but you're 100% right. And there, there are so many little things, like you said, you know, if there's, is under the table clean? Is there gum under the table? What do the bathrooms look like? You know, wh- what are the employees dressed like? All those little things play a big part. It's all about impression, especially in the restaurant business. If you want to have a high ticket item, you can't have someone who's not looking the part. Now, and we also have to talk about how there's got to be, uh, and maybe you could talk a little bit about this, the business acumen, because you've moved very quickly. A lot of our listeners are interested in growth, you know, and they're operating fairly well, and they're looking to do number two, number three. And here you opened up uh, Over Easy Kitchen. It's been around three and a half years, but during those three and a half years, you opened two more locations. So maybe you could speak a little bit to things like systems development. Um, how did you develop your bench strength? How were you able to do duplication, fundraising? So once you have your, you know, the, the kitchen layout is very a little difficult. Um, but, but if every location, I mean, the ideal thing would be to take over a place that hadn't done well, to start from scratch and put, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars into a restaurant to start. It's a big, you know, it's a big nut. Usually takes approximately three years to get your money back. Um, you know, obviously my goal is to beat that. And, um, but once you get that set up going and all the, all the breakfast places kind of have the same look and feel, you know, it, it, it kind of is a little bit easier. The guys from the first, uh, over easy moved to the second over easy. They had that going, started training some new people and, and so on and so forth. I think personally, I may be done with the over easies because we do have three of them and that's great. But I ended up getting into, you know, one, another, another crazy, uh, busy restaurant called Gabriella's Italian Steakhouse. And, um, that also opened exactly three and a half years ago. God bless you. Um, bless you. That was that was six months prior to COVID. We ended up opening a steakhouse there that has a liquor license. The owner of the shopping center came to me at Patricia's and said, hey, it's only six miles away, maybe even five miles away. Why don't you open up another Patricia's? I said, absolutely not. It's like this. I don't need it. You guys make I make it look easy. There's a lot of moving parts here. He's like, come on, it would be great. And started throwing everything at me. Hey, we'll give you an outside. Hey, we'll build this for you. Hey, we'll get you a liquor license. Hey, I said, listen, if it makes sense, I'll come and look at it. So I did. I went there, checked it out. And I said, listen, maybe I can do something else. I'm able to get a liquor license, a whole nother game with a liquor license. We put a beautiful bar together. We put a lot of money into this restaurant. Also approximately 6,000 square feet. That restaurant today is probably one of the, the hottest restaurants in New Jersey. And it's uh, it's doing really well. The food is by far phenomenal. It's the number people rave about it. We have great reviews, and the ambiance of this place is on is second to par. 
there's no one that's going to keep up with us right now. We're really kicking butt there. It's a great restaurant. People love it. And again, there are customers that will not come to Patricia's because they need a bar. And there's people that are at that restaurant that, you know what, they want to, they want to have that bring your own experience as well. So we are able to do, you know, approximately 10,000 people at each location every single month, religiously. And um, it's, it's doing phenomenal. There's a little bit more of a nightlife at the Gabriella Steakhouse because, you know, we will play music late at night. There is a bar and there's that, that vibe that, that goes with it. Again, that's another location. Same days off, open seven days a week, lunch and dinner. Um, so and we're really Italian, happy. The Italian steakhouse you just discussed, I'm assuming, then has a higher check average um, than, um, than your, you know, your first restaurant, Patricia's. Does it also have a private dining room for family events and things? Um, funny you say that. Also, in about six weeks, we're, we're expanding both restaurants. There will be a 45-person private dining room. Uh, we're expanding it to also a speakeasy uh, attached to the current restaurant. So it's going to be uh, very exciting. Uh, we're mm-hmm. looking forward to it. But uh, that's a different type of uh, restaurant. You, you, know, you really can't do a family-style menu or accommodate 45 people a la carte when you're at a steakhouse not you know if everybody's looking for a steak it's impossible to uh, to tie that all together and have it delivered to the table at the same time so we got to get a little creative as well with our menu and and we've been doing it so it's been going really well and i would love to invite anybody to come uh, to any of these restaurants well i well i'm i'm getting hungry i'm not in the neighborhood yeah. <laughs> i'm getting very hungry you know the uh, i've loved the italian combination with the steakhouse for, I can't tell you, I mean, probably, probably since the first time I went to Nick and Tony's in Chicago, I don't know, mm-hmm. 30, 40 yeah. years ago. You know, there, there is there's something about good premium steaks, but also really good uh, pasta that works well together. So I'm, um, I'm loving the concept that you described. Congratulations. And so now you're able to kind of touch all bases. You've got the Thank you. lunch. You know, you've got um, what I'm assuming with Patricia's is a little bit more of full service casual. And then you've got your upper casual, you know, slightly more higher end. You've done an awful lot in seven years. Yes, yes. The, the advantage is that it is, you know, thank God, with all five, six miles of each other. So I'm able to, uh, you know, to be at all locations at all time. And that's the funny thing. They said, Frank, I, how are you at all these locations at the same time? I tell people I have a you know, twin brother as a joke, <laughs> but I do. I do like to bounce from one place to another. You know, I'll look at reservations. I'll see who I, you know, who I want to see, uh, see who's asking for me, whatever it may be. But I usually close uh, when my night at Gabrielle's because it's a later night there. But I am at Patricia's every single day and I'm at Over Easy every single day. I'll pick one of the wow. locations to be at for sure. And the truth is, it's not for me. Everyone's like, how do you do? It's a lot of work. I truly, honestly enjoy it. It's, it's crazy, but I truly do enjoy it. I love seeing smiling people's faces. If there is a problem, I love turning a bad thing into a good thing. I meet and I've met thousands of new people. It's, it's phenomenal. It's great. And we're not done. We're not done. I still have more of my more in my tank and uh, something else is definitely brewing. But uh, we may be signing a deal as early as Monday if I can. But um, I got a little okay. bit. Yeah. Well, I'm still a young guy. So I have a lot of energy. But at one point, yes. I mean, you know, I, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Well, it sounds like we may be planning a uh, a sequel. Uh, yes. We may be bringing you back talking about a fourth concept at a later date. Uh, but maybe you could, for our listeners, walk through once you do have multiple concepts, even if they are close by, and even if you are able to do hands-on spot checking, 
You're now in a position where you're depending on systems, process, procedures, a team. Um, how do you actually lead, you know, your teams? Are you getting managers together weekly? Uh, do you do you do you have say set management teams per store, or do you like them to float and cross train? I don't. I just like to learn a little bit more about how you run your company. So you know, there's a saying I put aces in their places. So I like to keep all my managers in their own restaurants. So there is definitely they're more than welcome to go back and forth, but there is definitely no no cross management. So each location, I do have my weekly manager meetings. We enjoy them. We definitely put time aside there. It could be as early, as quick as an hour to an hour and a half and just go over all the key points because during the nights, we're there anyway. Hey, you know what? Let's talk about that tomorrow. Hey, we have New Year's coming up. Let's talk about that as well. We do have systems in place. And again, they're different for each location. Again, one has a bar, one doesn't. The cleanup at the end of the night, you know, because I'm a fanatic about it. I want it to be what I want it to be. I would like to have bathroom attendance at the steakhouse on Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays, just to bring it up to a different level to make sure those bathrooms are spotless. It's a big thing. A lot of customers in the past, again, I've said, the bathrooms are disgusting. I'm never coming there. So it goes <laughs> a long way. But we do have process in place. Yeah, there's a there's a checklist. There's a there's a, a, a list for the busboys, the servers, uh, the cleanup day, you know, deep clean every single week. Uh, we, we really do put a lot of time into it. These restaurants are open, you know, 361 days a year. So it takes a lot to keep these places um, on point. So there are a lot of processes. Every guy, you know, it's not just make your money and go home. You do need to clean up after yourself. Everybody has to treat that place like it's their own restaurant, check under the tables, uh, uh, whatever we need to do. Um, so, uh, so we do have a lot of check and balances and we have great managers. Each place has not just one, there's several managers at each location because yeah, working 40 hours, there's a lot for some of these kids nowadays. So, yeah. Excellent. well, you know, the, the marketing aspect of this and, and again, not trying not to read too much in between the lines, but it kind of, um, invoke something that I actually wrote about recently where, you know, you have a lot of people out there, oh, you got to have your social media marketing, you got to be on TikTok. And I'm not dismissing all that. that I mean, that's, that's the way of the world now. But a, a big part of any beliefs for independence of real success comes from this attention to this amazing guest experience and let word of mouth carry you forward. Um, so in terms of your marketing, you know, how much is the word of mouth versus kind of the other things you might be doing to, to let the world know about you? So a long time ago, I mean, no one had phones, no one had the internet, Instagram, all of that. It does play a tremendous part nowadays. If we are doing a uh, birthday celebration at one of the restaurants and we start bringing candles out and we shut the lights and we're playing some crazy music, you'll see 150 phones coming up. Everyone's videotaping it instantly. It's on social media. It does draw a lot of attention. It definitely stirs up the pot. People do love that. Everybody wants to be in the scene. Everybody wants to be seen. Everybody wants a corner table. Everybody wants to be and felt great. And that's the experience that we give at each of these restaurants. doesn't matter if it's nine o'clock in the morning at Over Easy or 1130 at night at Gabriella's or 6 p.m. on a Sunday at Patricia's. We, we're going to be there. We're going to make you feel at home. We know your name. We know your kid's name. We know you had a confirmation or a party there the other day. Um, we know it's your first time, second time. It's 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 just amazing to see and to touch these tables. That's why I'm I'm really I, I really stress upon my managers to the table touch. Um, you really can't judge a book by its covers. It could be a guy or a woman or a couple that looks like you know this, and there's somebody else. So whatever the you know vice versa, 
everybody's somebody. I treat everybody the same. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what restaurant you're eating in. You never know who you're sitting next to. So, and uh, you, like I said, we built great, I've been to weddings. I've had babies. I've had a, a bridal showers with people. I've seen them deliver their kids. Uncle's will since I've opened up the restaurant. A lot of reputation, but a lot of friends. I mean, this is your new family. Good. Good, good, good. Well, you know, that that answer doesn't surprise me. It probably doesn't surprise you either, Barry. It, it, if you're committed to a really, really valued guest experience, uh, then that's really the best marketing. And it sounds like that's what you're doing on a yeah. uh, on a consistent basis. So yeah, and- more power to you. But can we switch for a second now from the marketing and the bringing the customers in and the handling of the customers to the behind the scenes? Something that a lot of independents have had a hard time with in the last year or so. And that was the managing of costs. Uh, were you hit hard with some supply interruptions uh, with uh, paper packaging and delivery expenses and other things that maybe you weren't uh, prepared for? 100%. Um, the takeout business has taken off since the whole COVID world has started. So for us, that was a brand new expense for us getting as many to-go bags, uh, packaging the way we had to do it how to handle the, the traffic outside the building, the telephone calls coming in, the space for DoorDash, the space for the third-party companies, uh, what platforms you go on to do your to-go orders. It was a big deal. Commission that you're paying to the third parties, how do you handle that? Is it really worth it? Um, we dealt with a lot and, uh, at, all, at all locations. The food cost is a, is a whole other story. As you can imagine, steak, fish, this time of the year, the holidays, they're, they're going up like crazy. I tell people a dish of pasta and a glass of wine is $50. It sounds crazy, but that's what we're up to nowadays. I mean, it's amazing. We do, the, the truth is, you know, we do have a good cash flow. And with that, I do take advantage of it. For example, right now during the holiday season, we know that there's going to be a lot of fish eaten between octopus and shrimp. This is, this is their year. And of course their prices are going up. We have locked in for the next 24 weeks Yes, it costs us a lot of money. We bought it now and uh, we're holding the price for the next 24 weeks. So we don't have to change the pricing, hoping that'll come down right after the holiday season again. So again, to look out for our customers, that's what we did uh, because it, I don't want to, to steer away or try to go somewhere else. I don't want to change the quality of the food that we're, we're having just because of an extra 50 cents. It doesn't make sense. You know, they, They've mm-hmm. been loyal for seven years. Um, I want to do the right thing by them as well. And I eat here. I eat here every single night of the week at one of my restaurants. My family eats here. This weekend's my daughter's birthday. You know, we're we're always in the restaurant and I I pride on my reputation. I don't want to be known as the guy with the bad food. So we'll always do the right thing by our customers. But yes, there's definitely been a lot of challenges and uh, I think we've handled it as well as we can. Um, again, like I mentioned, Gabrielle's was six months, pro- maybe five months prior to uh, COVID. And that was pretty scary. I was like, wow. Yeah. I was like, yeah, wow, I'm going to... I was like, I can't fail. I refuse to fail. I refuse. It was like, let's figure it out. And we did. And, uh, and we've taken off, thank God. So I'm pretty happy with what, uh, what we've done. But again, great staff stayed with me. No one got nervous. All those loans we were able to get from you know, the government all helped out. If you, do the, if you play your cards right and you do everything right and you, you follow the rules and you pay everybody properly, it works out. Well, it was good that you were able to do that with your prime purveyors to work on your key proteins um, right. and, and leverage the volume and do some price locking. Barry, you know, can you just, you know, believe that it, it, we're just saying that? It's just like, it just rolls off our tongue now. It's like a regular thing. Good pasta, glass of wine, $50. It's not the first time we've heard that, but it, it's the new reality. It's the new reality, but people are still lining up for it. Thank, thank goodness. 
Thank yes. goodness. Yeah. But they're not just. But, but I'll argue they're not just lining up for the glass of wine and the pasta. They're are, they're lining up for good experience where they're treated well in a nice environment where it feels like a special night out. They're not going to come back for pasta and a glass of wine unless those things are not there. Um, am I right, Frank? 100%. You're 100% right. You know, the, I think people do wake up every morning and saying, hey, what are we doing tonight? Where are we going to eat? And how do you get them to be repeat customers? You want to give them that great experience when they come in here. You want to, whatever, whatever it may be. If, if you know they like a certain table, do your best to give them that table. If they like a certain server, do the best you can to give them that same server if possible. If they like their cocktail made a certain way, if we can accommodate them. You know, I need my customers. They don't need me. So I want to do everything we can. I explain that to my entire staff, my management team, my cooks, my chef, everybody. It's, you know, the customer is always right. But we need to, you know, without them, we have no business. Mm-hmm. Got it. So, and once again, it seems like, you know, you've, you've touched on at least three different ways uh, that it all boils down to staff. The, the staff obviously believes in you. They're committed to your programs uh, because today's worker seems to be attracted to, to places where they feel like they've connected, where they belong. It isn't, right. it isn't just job, it isn't just check anymore. Um, and so, uh, so it seems like you're winning that battle. You are finding, training, and retaining staff. Yes. Good for you. Good for Thank you. God. <laughs> in, in terms of crossover of ingredients and items um, as you're growing larger and larger, um, is there much cross utilization between the concepts that you thought about a commissary? I'm assuming, uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that, you know, you, 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 your sauces are signature. There's some things that um, you might probably be creating in larger quantities to meet your demand. Um, how does how does any of that come into play in terms of your, your management strategy? Um, it's, it sounds easier than, than it could be done. I truly keep each restaurant, especially the two bigger restaurants of now the breakfast concept. I have my chefs pretty much competing against one another. Let them get excited about it as well. Um, mm-hmm. I try not to have repeat uh, dishes on either, on, on both menus, but you know, the Sunday sauce, they both go at it. Who's is better? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. phenomenal. There are some, like I said, signature dishes that uh, I, I wouldn't want at another restaurant. Uh, one place is making homemade pasta. One place, you know, we, we do too much pasta. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are, it, we do, uh, we, we challenge each other. It's great. And I, I love watching the chefs go at it. Hey, try this. Hey, don't try this. Which one's better? So we do have contests here. We do that. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it sounds like fun, actually. Yeah. Um, a lot of egos, a lot of egos. <laughs> you know, from a financial management point of view, a lot of smaller independents now are finding good outsourced uh, accounting uh, firms that help elevate their knowledge now of numbers that years ago when you were a small guy with one or two stores weren't available. You were either doing in-house numbers, um, you know, with uh, QuickBooks Um uh, or again, you had to wait till you're much larger and then your annual tax CPA introduced you to a good monthly, uh, you know, accounting firm. Uh, how do you do yours? Are, 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 does your POS, is it a cloud-based reporting that goes to a third party? And do you get weekly summaries and monthly P&Ls or do you do all this manually in-house? No, you're, you're the first part that we have a POS system that will, will spit everything out. We do have an in-house call it accountant that will watch the numbers daily. If I need something, I'll call them, hey, 
when was the last time we paid or how much did we pay this? We have something called margin edge. We'll actually scan an invoice. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it and show you where your your prices, if they are changing weekly, you can't call your purveyors every single day and ask them, Hey, what's going on? But they will call us. They don't want to be embarrassed. They don't, they know that we'll drop them instantly. You know, eggs are going crazy. We go through 36,000 eggs a weekend, you know, it's just that over easy. So it's crazy. So the egg market, when it goes up, it's a big, big deal. Um, I think the biggest challenge right now, you know, dollars and cents wise in accounting, and they've all told me you should do it. You should do it. And we haven't done it yet is adding that, 4%, 3% 4%, 3% fee on a credit card processing fee. That's a big deal right now. We're talking anywhere from thirteen dollars to $20,000 a month at sure. each location. And it, it it's, yeah. it's, it's ugly. And I, I haven't done it yet. And I'm trying not to. They keep saying, hey, raise the prices, raise the prices. But at one point, it's going to get to a point where, you know, there's only so much I can do before I need to do that. It's a big nut. You're talking 150000 easy at each restaurant. And when you have a bring your own restaurant, $150,000 is uh, a lot of money. Well, it is. It is. And, and, and you know what? And you're not facing that issue by yourself. Everyone in the industry is talking about it because over these last few years, you know, everybody has realized that anywhere from 85 to 95 percent of all revenue is on a credit card. And so yeah. if 95 percent of your sales basically means all of my sales have an extra three to three and a half percent. Uh, added to it. And so there's different opinions out there. Uh, for what it's worth, I'll give you mine. I, I would love it if you could continue to find some way of rolling it in, find some way where the margin can handle it or somewhere where the prices can absorb it. So you didn't, you don't get looked at as I gave you a bill and here's the, you know, the $50 for the pasta and wine. Oh, plus 3.5% service charge. Um, some guests right. don't seem to question it. Some guests are pushing back pretty hard. So it's going to be, a, I don't know, Barry, what do you think? Yeah. You know, um, it, although I think a lot of people are used to it, I think what's, what's happened, um, hopefully not so much anymore, is that particularly during COVID, the, the operators were just adding all these different surcharges to the point where it was like checking out of a hotel. This is what you're room rate was and now after all the other different taxes and so forth that were tagged on now you're paying quite a bit more um but yeah i think you know i think there's there's you know i think there's some sensitivity um people having to pay more I, again i'll go back to my original premise you cannot get away with it without a first class guest experience if you can't provide that you need to get out of the business or just do all ghost kitchen or takeout but that said um still i like what you're saying chris in terms of figuring out ways of absorbing it so when the customer pays the bill hey i paid for my meal i paid for service and yeah it was expensive but i'm not having to pick up other expenses i'm not sure the easy way to do that and i think frankly um you just have to, you know, you know your market, Frank. You know what people are willing to do or don't do. Ultimately, that they're going to be the arbiters of that. Right. Yeah, and and it's getting yep. kind of colorful. I uh, I know some people uh, that are covering that by basically uh, looking at the amount of volume they're doing in event business, private party business, and when they're creating that menu, they're rolling a little bit more and a little extra three or four or five percent more into those prices 
So if someone is uh, as casual as a beer garden that I'm aware of, and he said, I do so many private parties, uh, my private party menu is basically five or 6% higher than the regular menu. That's one way that I'm basically just covering the 3.5% credit card business in my regular dining room because 95% of his people charge Where's the 3.5% coming from? Uh, so, I don't, you know, I don't know if you'll have that same opportunity or maybe you'll find it in uh, the liquor, beer and wine, but I, I don't know. Um, it's going to, but it's definitely a challenge. Uh, it's right up there after people are handling things like labor and retention and product cost. You know, they're looking at that. Uh, there's one last issue I want to throw at you and that's, and, and, and that is uh, how are you viewing um, occupancy costs, looking for additional restaurants what, in your market, in New Jersey, what, what's going on in real estate as far as availability and as far as rent costs? Rent, um, okay, so it's funny, but like I said earlier, you know, I am in the process of doing something else, another concept altogether. And you'd be surprised, I mean, who's got the, you know, may, maybe it's the success of their but I feel I allowance, you know, tenant improvements. So we are getting a, a good chunk of money to help start a restaurant. If we need six months to 12 months of uh, free rent, good. they're, they're, they're helping us there. I think they're on it, which makes me feel better. They're there. There are talks about having the liquor licenses change in New Jersey. That may be another year or two away. I heard there's a lot of talks about that, but like I said, you know, getting a liquor license, it comes with, you know, it comes with a little more of a agita to say the least. But mm -hmm. it's well worth it if it's run properly, you know. Yeah. And again, I tell everybody, Gabrielle's is a restaurant with a bar, not a bar that has a restaurant. And um, it is important. Depends what type of you know nightlife you want to have there. But I think the landlords have been really helpful. I think getting space is um, a little bit easier than you think. But um, not as many restaurants as you think went out of business. At least not in New Jersey. Maybe in Manhattan, mm -hmm. but here in New Jersey, I think kind of people held their own a little bit. Good news. That yeah. is good news. Yeah. And, you know, we found that to be true in other major markets. Um, that, right. that, that, yeah, exactly. That the, the, the thought that some people had that there were going to be an awful lot of available spaces because so many people weren't going to be able to survive COVID, we're finding isn't necessarily the case. A lot of the better markets, a lot of restaurants, um, a lot of restaurant spaces are still hard to find. And no, there isn't that plethora of availability yeah. from restaurants closing. Well, it sounds like things are going really well. Mm -hmm. This has been a wonderful conversation. Yeah. I'm so sorry that, the, that we're running out of time, but this has been uh, a wonderful conversation, a lot of really good pointers. I'm sure our listeners can profit from all of the things that you shared. Your story is fantastic um, and you're doing so well. And I can't wait to talk to you later to learn a little bit more about this new concept you can't talk about yet. Mm -hmm. Well, ha happy holidays to you, you got Mike, it. and your family, and uh, and just best Thank of you, luck. Guys. Best Thanks of luck in 2023. Well. Thank you again. Thank you guys. I'm sure we'll be speaking to you sooner than later. Absolutely. And we look forward to it. it. Have a great day, guys. Happy holidays. Thank you, everyone. Thank we you. look forward to seeing you on another Corner Booth real soon. Thank you for joining us on the Corner Booth. We'll be back next Tuesday with more inspiration, insights, and industry best practices to help you engage your team, delight your guests, and grow your business.